Hey, y'all, thanks for tuning in to the Weird One Podcast. This space, it's a collection of talks ranging anywhere from sermons from our ministry, creative thoughts, breakout sessions at things like Weird One Conference, as well as some inside scoops on leadership. We hope it helps you. If you want to keep up to date with everything Weird One, you can go to weareoneyouth.com or follow us on social at WAO Youth. We hope you're blessed. Keeping track of time has advanced quite a bit throughout history. If you go back to the very beginning in the ancient times when the sundial was created, I talked about it in the message, The Shine of Time, that this guy, King Hezekiah, there was this staircase, this famous one called the Stairway of Ahaz, and when the sun would cast a shadow on it, it would act just like a sundial. And it would cast in that way where the sun would hit, you know, the stairs, or in this case, it'd be a sundial, and uh, it would show what time of the day it was as the little, I don't know, shark fin on the sundial would stand up. And uh, scholars believe that King Hezekiah's staircase, this, this stairway of Ahaz that was very known at that time in the kingdom, it was the first literary reference ever to a sundial. From there, we became a little bit more advanced in the 14th century, the Egyptians brought forth what was known as the water clock. The water clock worked pr- pretty simply where it's filled up with water. There's 12 different like sections. Col- it was columned off. And as the water depleted, it marked the next column. And that next marking meant it was the next hour of the day. That's how, that's how the water clock worked. Then the first real clock came into existence as something, give or take, like this. It was the pendulum clock, where the, the pendulum and like a grandfather clock or a little clock that you'd put up on the wall, it would swing. And uh, the early versions of it, they had an error of only about like a minute each day. So it was pretty close even for th- those times. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever thought about this before, but I've always just wondered like, why, when it comes to seconds to our minute and minutes to our hour, why do we do it in 60s? Like, why not 100? Like, why, like I just, in my mind, would have thought, like, 100 just is, like, 100 pennies is a dollar. And, uh, you know what I mean? It, everything kind of, like, in my mind with math, 100 just makes it simple, like 1.0. But they did it uh, in 60s because in the, how would you say it, the, 3100s, like 3100 BC in that realm right there, it actually started in ancient Mesopotamia. They started doing things in 60s. And so as we took 60 seconds to a minute and 60 minutes created our hour, everybody, I guess, in the rest of the world just kind of followed that. I'm actually wondering, though, when it comes to something like a pendulum clock, any sort of clock that's not digital, do you all even know how to keep track of time on one anymore. Like, I have certain watch faces on my Apple Watch. I'll pull up, and if it ain't digital just telling me the exact numbers that it is, I'm kind of like, yeah. So here's a, here's a quick little uh, pop quiz. We're going to see who's fastest in the room. I'm going to flash a time on here, and when I do, you're going to tell me what time it is. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. Tell me what time is this. Raise your hand real quick if you were still figuring it out. Okay, let's stay honest. Okay. 
It's a failing grade so far. I would just like to make us aware. Okay. Here's the second one. Go. Raise your hand if you just now figured it out. 1230. 1230. Okay. And here's our, here's our, our last one. You ready? <laughs> I heard somebody say 1020. I saw somebody else right behind them going. Okay, so we got to work on it. We are digital natives, and we need to work on it a little bit. The, there was a famous pendulum clock, though, in 1859. It, it chimed for the first time, and it's called Big Ben. That's like the kind of nickname it, it st that stuck because it's had different names, but it's really Big Ben. It's in London. This thing, it weighs 15 tons. On the... The clock face, it has 1,292 pieces of glass that make up the clock face. The minute hand is 14 feet long. The hour hand is 9 feet long. I mean, this thing, this sucker is massive. It made it through World War II when the Germans came, were bombing in London. It, it survived. It made it. And it has this major bell to it, you know, like the, the Big Ben bell, and then it has four other bells that they're referred to as almost as like the quarter bells. And they ring every hour, and then the quarter bells every 15 minutes, but every hour they all ring together, and it rings a G sharp, sorry, a G, an F sharp, an E, and a B to make this famous iconic sound that we all know. There's melody. clocks and all the different ones have modeled that sound after Big Ben. But I was like realizing how big this sucker is. And it's like one thing you see in a picture, but you're, you're imagining here, like I'm five foot nine and you're seeing like that minute hand is 14 feet tall. I mean, this sucker is enormous. Eventually it went from these clocks that were hung on walls or stood huge or Big Ben, you know, ginormous, to then they figured that they could fit time and the clock in our pocket. And then it became known as the pocket watch. And then as, you know, this was, this was my, my grandpa's and his dad gave it to him. And then as time went on, it went from the pocket watch to then they go, okay, let's create now the wrist watch. Now, this is a classy, this is a classy individual right here. Whew, look at that puppy. That's a fossil watch. They don't make them like this anymore. Dude, this thing is 20 years old, I realized. I got this when I was 16 years old. Holy smokies. Wearing rings weren't popular when I was in high school for guys. And so my parents were like, you want to get a purity ring? I'm like, I want to stay pure, but I ain't wearing that ring. That's going to look weird. So this is my purity watch. <laughs> you know, a girl was trying to seduce me. Uh-uh, girl, you see the watch. <laughs> I can't believe this thing's 20 years old. Now, now today, it's crazy, right? Um, 
again, watches like this are still popular and all that, but now we got smart watches, and we don't even have to look at it. Isn't it interesting, the name of it? It's called a watch. We are literally watching time. Today, it's not necessarily a smart watch. You could call it like a smart listen. Because I go, hey, S-I-R-I. Don't want to say it. Does things. You don't have to say hey anymore. Say the name. Like, you literally, it's like, she like, if you need me, call me, no matter what. I mean, I, heard, I, I, talk, I, I talked to her one time, and she goes, say my name, say my name, no one did. If you don't know those, it's either because you're overly spiritual and you're a Pharisee, or it's because you're just way too young. <laughs> but you just literally say, hey, girl, what time is it? And then mine talked to me in a British accent, because like, if I'm going to have to listen to her, she's going to have a nice accent. And so she'd be talking to me, and... She tells me what time it is. It's not even a smart watch. It's more like a smart listen. I, you know, and both of those actually, mine are, my pocket watch and the other one's dead. Does anybody know what time is it? Can you give me the? Someone say time? Oh, I can tell you the time. All right, all right, come here, come here. Come here, come here, come here. I got time, all right, all right, all right. So don't worry, don't worry. I can, I got, I can give you the best way to tell time right here. I got the mechanical, all right? Okay. This one's without the battery. And then you can switch over here. You got the quartz, all right? Okay. These ones with the battery, these are actually more accurate. So make sure. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't touch unless you're going to buy, all right? These are collector's items, all right? The quartz is not as valuable as the mechanical over here, all right? Okay. Right here, we got the Rolex. We got the, we got the Orient. We got the, uh, we got the Seiko. We got the, we got the Rolex are again. Are you talking like, in tongues? I don't even no, know. No, 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 no. Don't you worry. You said Rolex like I three times. It I must promise, be tongues. I promise these are very Listen, valuable. Thanks, man. <laughs> I just asked what time is it? Oh. It, it's 7.17. Okay. That's, that's all I needed. Oh, okay. Oh. Please do not tell anyone I was here, all right? Okay. Yeah, I got you. All righty then. Okay. Seven, okay, 7.17. Um, that means I got to get preaching. We got some time to cover right now. Does anybody uh, track it, though, in military time? I'm just wondering because uh, he was in the military. Um, now, that's, that gets funky. That gets difficult. Like, at least 717. Okay, we can get that. Like, Z's learning that at this point. Military time, what is it? It doesn't say blank o'clock. It says blank 100 hours. And uh, they created this, obviously, like, such a long time ago, but this one is actually set up to trigger one hour. This thing will finish in one hour. And you look at all the different references in Scripture, there's quite a bit about hours. Uh, I love this, even in Spanish, right? You ask what time it is, you say, que hora es? What are you saying? You're saying, what hour is it? Yeah, that's how you do it in Spanish. That's about as much as I know, right there. And puede ir al baño. Where's the bathroom? <laughs> No, that's can I go to the bathroom. 
I get that one confused a lot in foreign countries. Donde esta baño is where is the bathroom. And I've looked at quite a few people and gone, puedo ir a baño. And they go, si? Sí? Because I'm asking them, can I go to the bathroom? <laughs> okay, que horas? There's a lot of references in the Bible to hours. I'm just going to give you a couple to kind of wet our whistle a little bit, get us going, and then we're going to have a landing pad here in a little bit. The one gets me really excited, but for some people it should terrify you a little bit the way Jesus talks about hours. He says in Matthew 24, verse, verses 26 to 29, he says about that day and hour. He's saying it's going to come down to the hour. It's going to be tight. It's going to happen. And what's going to happen? He says, about, but about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the sun, but the Father alone. What are we talking about? For the coming of the Son of Man. We're talking about when will Jesus come back? At a day or an hour. Nobody knows but the Father. It will be like the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying, giving into marriage. What are you saying? They were sinning. They were partying. They were doing drugs. They sleeping with each other's wives. They getting buck wild. That's what he's talking about right now. As it was in the days of Noah, until the day that Noah entered the ark and they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. Finally, the, the, the water comes up from the ground. The ark is the only thing with Noah and his family and the animals surviving in it. Jesus saying, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Jesus is going to come back. And those that are ready, listen, you don't got a split second to go. In the twinkling of an eye, the Bible says, we'll be caught up. And Jesus says, do you know when it's going to happen? I don't even know. I'm going to be waiting and the Father God is going to go. Yo, Jay, let's go. Not the angels, not some crazy lunatic on YouTube that prophesies in the year 2024. Jesus is going to come back. Nobody knows. Nobody knows the day even down to, Jesus says, the hour. It's really interesting how they would track time uh, in the ancient world here. It gives us a reference in Matthew 27. Look at verses 45 and 46. Now it says, from the sixth hour, darkness fell upon all the land until the ninth hour. I'll explain this, but this is Jesus at this moment. He's on the cross He's dying for us. And it says, in about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sebachthani, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see the reference here, it says, the sixth hour darkness fell, and the ninth hour Jesus cried out, and then he gives up his spirit. He dies in the ninth hour. When is this? See, the Jews would track time based upon the hour of the day. So sunrise was right around 6 a.m. So when it references here the sixth hour, you know what it's saying? Noon. It is 12 o'clock in the afternoon when the sun is highest, when it is brightest, when it's hottest. Why did Matthew give us this reference? Because he wants us to understand time that everybody knows at noon it is the hottest possible, the brightest possible. Yeah, because Jesus cries out on the cross, it goes dark. In history, literally the whole earth 
blacks out at the sixth hour. Then it references the ninth hour, which is 3 o'clock. So if we know sunrise is taking place at around 6 a.m., we have to understand this with the Jews, that they didn't track it where we'd say, it's blank o'clock, here's the time. They would track it based upon the hour of the day. And specifically, we see the reference a lot in the Gospels and the book of Acts where they would every day pray at the same times. They would stop and they would spend time with God. They would pray. And they would do it at the third hour, the sixth hour, and the ninth hour every day. So when is that? Sunrise is at 6. So the third hour, 1, 2, 3, that's 9 a.m. Add three more to the sixth hour, that's 12. Add three more to the ninth hour, that's 3 o'clock. You can see this reference. Look at it in the book of Acts, chapter 3. Verse 1. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour. When's the ninth hour? Somebody tell me. Okay, cool. We're with it. We can't read a clock, but we can follow the Bible. Let's go. So it's 3 o'clock. What was that? That was the hour of prayer. Everybody knew every day in this time the Gospels and the book of Acts highlight it for us that at the third, sixth, and ninth hour people would stop and they would pray. This is why I love how the Apostle Paul takes it a step further when he is ministering to the people there at Thessalonica, and then later he writes them 1 Thessalonians. He says in the 5th chapter, pray continually. You know why this is interesting? Because they all understood, well, no, the time we pray is the 3rd hour, the 6th hour, and the ninth hour. But Paul was teaching them, no, 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 no. We've been given the Holy Spirit. We can get in the presence of God immediately. We don't have to even, there's something about gathering together, but you don't have to to get in his presence. If you have you plus the Holy Spirit, and you do if you've called on the name of Jesus, you get to pray continually. The Bible says pray without ceasing. I love how he defines that for us. But let's be honest. Isn't there something, though, even though we can pray continually, there's something different about the, the, the prayer, the, the Hail Mary that you're throwing in your car ride somewhere or when something bad happens in your life or when there's a moment where you're like, right before the test, oh, Lord Jesus. There's something different about that than the hour of prayer. What does that mean? A time set aside where you're going to, we would call it, spend time with God. A time where we have set it apart, we've set it aside, we've said that we have come to meet with you. That's what we're doing right now. But in the same way at the third, sixth, and ninth hour, they did it every day. And now how much more powerful is it, as Paul said, pray continually, we can walk everywhere we go and we can just talk to the Lord. But there is something, just like that culture had, where each day we need to pray. We need to come and set ourselves aside, whether it's corporately or whether it's privately. We should come into the presence of God, and we need to meet with him, spend time with him. I crack up when people tell me that they don't have time. Pastor Dave, you realize I'm running day tonight. I don't got time to pray. I don't got time to read the Bible. I don't got time to be in church. Yet somehow we have time for social media and we have time for video games and we have time for our hobbies and our interests and the things that we want to do we got time there's there's something about 
coming into a moment with God, an hour of prayer, it was called in the Bible. Setting aside time with him. People say, I don't got time. Do you realize that the U.S. average, U.S., I'm not talking about the world, the U.S. average, there's one billion users on TikTok. But the U.S. average is that people are spending of their time, of the time that we've been given by God to steward, an hour and a half a day. 95 minutes, to be exact, is the U.S. average. That adds up to 11 hours a week and over 45 hours a month. And in your year, think about this, after a whole year, 365 days, over 24 of those days, 24 days straight, is people using TikTok. Now, I do believe that there's something powerful about whatever I'm going to do, leveraging it for the kingdom of God. But how many people that are on there are doing that? How many people that are on there are using their time to declare scripture, to declare the good news of Jesus, to post things that are edifying like your family or your church or things that will bring light to a dark world? Not very many. But look at this. We say, I, I don't have time to pray. But the average in the U.S. tells us that we have over an hour and a half a day to be on TikTok. That's not including YouTube. That's not including Instagram. That's not including I don't know, Snapchat, or I saw that Super Bowl commercial, like they push in Snapchat, whatever it is. That's not including it. That's just TikTok. Do you realize video games, the U.S. average for video games is even higher than TikTok per day. It's an hour and 46 minutes that the average user is using video games, screen time. Yet we say, I don't have time. Have you ever heard of Time Magazine? Time Magazine first started up, I think, in 1923. And the reason that they created it, see, the original name, was, it was going to be called Facts. But they wanted to market it to busy men. It was specifically educated businessmen is how it started. They wanted to market it. And so they had a slogan that they would use. They would say, take time it's brief. Are you following me? Even in 1923, people were living busy lives. So they named it Time. Come to find out, we are one conference. Event of 2024 is going to be on the cover, I was told. Here's a little preview. But they named it time because they were packaging the thought saying, it will only take you one hour. That was, that was the marketing stunt. It'll only take one hour. Take the time. It's brief. Even in 1923, they were trying to help people manage time. They were trying to control people's time. Can I just tell you? There's a reason it's called tick-tock, 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 because it's controlling your time. It is ticking and talking and wasting your time. Now, I am not a person that is an advocate of 
social media, Christians shouldn't be on there. I think the world would just evaporate if Christians were on social media. If it was nothing but the pollution of this world, I think, I think we'd be in big trouble. But what I am an advocate of is you have to know your boundaries. And if you find yourself on it an hour and a half a day, and if you find yourself wasting your time and you can't handle it, you do need to delete the app because you're not ready. And I'll tell you, there was a season in my life with Instagram. I'm not even on TikTok, but there was a season in my life on, in, uh, with Instagram. I was not ready to be on it. I was wasting so much time. Now, sometimes days can go by and I don't open it. Other times I flip it open, see some DMs. You know what I do? I go, oh, people want my time. Too much work. I, I shut it down. Because I'm just trying to steward the people that are face-to-face -face in my life, much less the people digitally that want my time and attention. I'm in a season now where I can handle it different than maybe the season some of you are in. But is it an interesting, whether it's TikTok and whatever social media that we find ourselves with, that endless hours, come on, y'all, endless hours of YouTube. The rabbit trails of our time, or whether it's video games, or whether it's even in 1923 Time magazine, we find ourselves so easily grasping at anything and everything to use our time but offering it to God to spend it with him. This has been since day one when they get kicked out of the garden. There has been a struggle and a conflict to come back to that place of just enjoying the presence of God and spending it with him. Jesus helps us identify um, how we can take an hour and fill it for his glory. I wonder for some of you, like, any given week, any given day, how do you fill an hour? One hour. What are you using it for? And I even ask this, not what are you using it for, but with what you're using it for, do you fill that hour with power? Because Jesus in Matthew 26, he teaches us about the power hour. He teaches us about in one hour what we can do to make that hour productive to the other 23. I even believe this. You're like, 23, we're not up for all 23. Well, first of all, some of you are, and we, we should talk about that. Another sermon. But don't you think there's stuff going on in the spirit realm when you're asleep? What you fill your mind with, what you fill your time with, it doesn't shut off when you sleep. It actually goes on overdrive, and it speaks to you, and it indoctrinates you, indoctrinates you, and it torments you. So Jesus teaches us about the power hour. In one hour, if you will get a hold of it, how it could take the other 23 hours of your day and take it to another level. He's getting ready to go to the cross, and he brings the disciples to this famous garden, the Garden of Gethsemane. It was very known by the people there. And he brings them in, and he takes nine of them into the garden and leaves them on the outskirts. And then he takes three others. It was Peter, James, and John with him further. 
And then he speaks to them there. And he said, it says, then he said to them in Matthew 26, verse 38, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He knows he's about to go to the cross. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground. And he prayed, Father, my Father, if it is possible, may you take this cup, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. We've heard this. Not my will, but yours be done. How often do you pray something like that? God, not what I want, what you want. I, man, I've been living with this conviction lately that, God, I don't always know when I'm doing things right or wrong. Sometimes it takes time for the Holy Spirit to get our attention and reveal it to us, I think. It's not always just like, oh, I shouldn't be doing that. You know how it is, and even in your life, it takes time sometimes to be revealed, oh, I shouldn't cuss anymore. I shouldn't dress like this anymore. It's called sanctification. It's a process of the Holy Spirit teaching us. But I've been learning either a fast track or a surefire way to make sure that I stay on track with God. I pray this every day. Jesus, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as, as it is in heaven. Because I have actually have this, I have this firm belief in me. That if I pray for his will to be done, it will be done. When I pray it with an open heart saying, God, I know I'm not going to say everything right today. I know I'm not going to do everything right today. I know I'm going to mess up. But Jesus, somehow, some way, direct me, lead me, shut doors, open doors, show me. Jesus, let your will be done. It's scary praying it. Because his will doesn't look like our will. If his ways, Isaiah said, are higher than ours, what do you think his will is going to be like? The only three things to pay attention to in your life is God's word, which points to God's ways, which will reveal God's will. Those three things. If you will fixate your life on those three things within the person of Jesus, you will marry the right person. You will raise your children the right way. You will stay in the house with the people of God. You will have a God-honoring career. You will reverse generational curses. You will live the life that Jesus has destined you to live. If you say, Lord, what does your word say? What does your character show me in your ways, like Isaiah said, are higher than mine? And reveal your will in my life. If you pray for his will to be done, it will be done. Jesus is struggling with this. He's, this is what he's praying. He's saying, <sighs> Bible says his sweat are like drops of blood. He's saying, not my will, your will. And then what does it say, though? As he's in this agonizing place and praying, it says now in verse 40. I didn't get there. Then he returned to his disciples. And he's all in. He's focused. He's going for it. But he returns back to his disciples and says he found them sleeping. What does he say to them? Couldn't you men keep watch with me 
for one hour. Couldn't you keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. For how long? One hour. Got to hit my code. He said, couldn't you keep watch for one hour? You can see here what Jesus is saying. Keep watch for one hour. He's giving us two references to the same thing, and they're both fixated around an increment of time. One happening very physically, very sure, he was saying one hour. Like, I have a focused time. I'm going to give attention with the Father before the cross. But keep watch is also alluding to this as well. It's not literally like sit there and keep watch exactly of the time, but it's given a reference to time that you need to be aware within this increment of time what's going to happen. Soldiers are about to come. Things are about to go down. Keep watch. Couldn't you keep watch with me for one hour? See, it seems simple, doesn't it? Watching, it is simple, isn't it? We bird watch. We watch TV shows. All the weird but normal people in the room, we people watch. It's okay to people watch. Don't get caught watching. It's the weirdest thing when you're just... I'll have to choose somebody that can handle this. You're just like staring, but they're not. And then they turn their head and you're like, it's like super awkward. Or you're, you're, you're staring, they turn, you're like, what do I do? Ah, what do I do? You know? Jesus says, keep watch. Be aware. You don't know something's coming, but I do, so keep watch. He goes, couldn't you keep watch for one hour? What is he alluding to? Watching is simple, but this is the middle of the night. This is super early in the morning, however you want to track it. They're tired. They just came from having the Last Supper. Judas just walked out, dipping in a piece of bread, about to betray Jesus. They're all sitting there anxious like, oh. I bet you, what, it could be me. What if it's me next? What, like, they're, they're all revved up. They're weary. They're anxious. They're tired. And now Jesus is like, let's go pray. He comes back. Why, how could you even be asleep right now? You couldn't keep watch with me for one hour? Watching is simple. But what we have to understand is watching is connected to waiting. It wasn't that they had an inability to watch. It's that they had an inability to wait. And they were tired. And they were weary. And Jesus had a strong expectation here. Couldn't you keep watch? And it sounds like a short period of time. But one hour can feel like an eternity sometimes. And Jesus is asking them to keep watch but he knew that the watching wasn't going to be the issue. It was going to be their waiting in the midst of it that'd be the issue. So they're sitting there, and they're like, and they were waiting on Jesus. 
and they were getting weary as they waited. I just wonder with some of you in the room, are you tired of waiting on Jesus? God, when are you going to tell me the calling for my life? When are you going to bring somebody into my life that I can love and I can honor you with and I can, I can marry and raise children with? God, when are you going to open a door so I'm not working at this place? When are you going to change something in my family? When are you going to heal me of this disease? And you're weary waiting on Jesus. It's referred to, we say it all the time, as we're waiting on God's timing. But God's timing is just, it's a hard nut to crack. Because it requires patience and it requires waiting on him. But we have to also understand in our humanity, we can feel time ticking away. God, don't you realize I'm getting older? It's like for some of our young adults in the room. When are you going to bring someone in my life? I've had so many terrible boyfriends. I've had so many that have not honored the Lord. When are you going to finally, I'm getting weary, Lord. I don't know if I can wait for what you say you have. I don't know if I can believe you even have it. I ain't ever seen it. I love when people go there and say that. I know it definitely at this church. Yeah, I said that too. Lord, I'm coming up to graduation. I don't even know for sure if I'm supposed to go to this college. Or if I do go to this college, what's my major? And if I, if I get a major, I could spend all this money on a major. And then what am I even called to? And Lord, what if you want me to do something completely different? Or what if you want to send me to Africa for missions? And I thought I was going to be a business person. Maybe he's going to have you get a business degree that will help you raise money for Africa and missions. But we want every single aspect of it timed out but he just usually never does that. He wants you step by step in faith and obedience. And here's the thing. We're weary, but he's not. We're worried, but he's not. Can I tell you why? And this is why we're talking about time. Because we have very little of it to get right with God, but once you get there and you're right with God, we got plenty of it. Because God sees all things from the lens of eternity. He doesn't go, well, and I know that probably they're going to die around this time. And this is We think about that, and we should. Jesus, teach me to number my days that I might gain a heart of wisdom. But God goes, I'm not worried because I see your life with me, and we have plenty of time. Where you're counting down minutes and hours, I'm seeing things in the scope of time and space. I'm seeing the universe as your playground. I'm seeing the new Jerusalem, a new heaven, a new earth. I'm seeing you occupy it. I'm seeing the days beyond days beyond days. Why? Because my name is the Ancient of Days. And we just get stuck in this place waiting on Jesus. 
Jesus is saying, keep watch. Jesus is saying, measure this in a way where you recognize that the watching requires the waiting because what I've found is people exchange the waiting for wasting. And they end up wasting a lifetime because they weren't willing to wait in this season of your time. They weren't willing to say in these years, I'm hearing you, Pastor Dave. Holy Spirit, I feel you pricking right now. Be patient. Don't marry the wrong person because then I'll waste a lifetime. It'd be better that I get married later in life and be patient and wait and marry the right person, have the rest of my life blessed, than early on marry the wrong person and waste a lifetime. And I could, I could go down rabbit trail after rabbit trail after rabbit trail, but we say that we want God's timing, but we don't end up spending time with him. And the only way that you can fully step into a life that is full of his timing is, is if you have spent plenty of time with him. Jesus originally says here that they need to keep watch. But then he adds something. In the next verse, verse 41, he tells them when he comes back, he wakes them up. They're asleep. Wake up. Wake up. He says, watch and pray. Now he's opening up a new can. There's something different to this now. See, the watching is attributing to time the way we would see it in increments, but prayer is now a new element that's adding to this. And what he's trying to show us is that the best way to wait with God in the watching the best way to spend time with him is prayer. I'm not even going to ask for a show of hands because if I were to ask in the room how many of y'all say prayer is hard for you, I'm going to say we're going to hit about 99.9%. It's a Clorox wipe in the room right now. It's some Lysol. I'm here to teach you from my pea-sized brain, limited knowledge of God, what I know about it. But I got a passion for it this year. Because last year, I lacked in it. But this ain't 2023, this is 2024. We aren't going to have wheels to go worldwide and blaze trails if the juice in the tank is not prayer. Why is prayer important? We could probably say a lot of different things, but Jesus, he lines it up very clearly for us. He wakes them up in verse 40, and then in verse 41, he tells them, watch and pray. Here's why it's important. So that you will not fall into temptation. He explains to them, listen, Peter, I know you think you're something. I know you think you got this figured out. But I need you to recognize that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I know you want to do right. That's why the apostle Paul said, why do I do the things I don't want to do and the things I do want to do I don't? Why am I always upside down? Why am I always twisted up? Why am I always messing it up? Because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So we have to figure out how to plug in the spirit of the living God into the right source 
what's inside outside to from the outside recharge what's inside so we're running on full energy. So what happens a lot of times is we get going, our schedule gets busy, we work too much, we don't rest enough, we play too hard, we don't rest enough, we don't sleep, too much screen time, a million different things I could list. You list it in your own mind, whatever your issue is, and the first thing to go always is prayer. Always. In this room, oh God. we get a little more Christian. We don't say, I didn't have time to pray. We at least get honest and say, I didn't make time to pray. But the bottom line is prayer doesn't exist in your life. Where prayer is not present, the spirit is not willing. Where there isn't the grounding, the foundation of prayer, the spirit cannot operate fully in your life because the flesh becomes too powerful. I just believe that many people are struggling with prayer because we find ourselves in those moments watching time rather than watching the timekeeper, the time creator, the one who's outside of it himself. The one who was and is and is to come can't be stuck in a bottle. You can't cage him to a glass. You can't. See, this is us. This is us within time. He's outside of all of that. And I believe that we're struggling with it so much. Because I found myself too many times, although, Lord, I, give me, I want it, I want it, I want it. I want a pure heart to know how to pray. I want a pure heart to, to not be counting the clock to say, well, I spent my time with Jesus. And I've had seasons where, I'm like, that was an hour? That was this much time? And I've, I've had other seasons where I'm, I'm dead tired and I'm just there, I'm there waiting on the Lord. And I'm watching and Jesus wakes me up. Dave, would you not keep watch for one hour? Remember, Jesus says two things here. Remember this. Jesus says, watch and pray. Both. Watch, meaning we are aware in some sense of the increment of time, but also pray. We become more aware of his presence. Jesus is drawing a, 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 he's drawing a line. He's creating a delineation of how we've looked at time between how we keep track of time versus not necessarily keeping track of time, but keeping time. There's a difference. See, in the biz, in music, this is called a metronome. We've been thinking about time from the sense of how we keep track of it with our clocks and our watches, but in music, you don't keep track of, you don't care how many minutes a song is. 
Unless, I mean, if you're trying to make it radio ready, then you want it like under three minutes if you can, but. Which none of our songs are. <laughs> we got too much to say for the glory of God. <laughs> but see, in, in, in music, well, I, don't, I, don't, I don't care about keeping track of time. I care about keeping time with the beat and the rhythm and all the instruments being in sync with everything that's happening. Let me, let, me, let me show you this way. Pastor Luke, so give me, give me fire me here, th this metronome. Okay. Just give me some, like, we call them diamonds, just some holds. Suss it. You can change chords, do whatever you want. You feel it. Turn, turn that metronome up a little bit. We call it, we call it click. So when we're all on stage and we're playing together, it's a click. It's so annoying. And all of our ears is really doing this. So you guys are just like, I worship you, Daddy God, Abba Father. And we're all like, this is so annoying. But without this metronome, we can't all keep time. Because one person's going to be trying to play in one tempo, another person playing in another tempo. And just like quarter notes, like musicians, what they'll do is they'll practice their scales. And they'll try to be in sync with a metronome to make sure they can hit all of their scales. It's called your musical proficiencies. Okay, turn it into eighth notes. the same scales. Just play them at like a rate you might practice even. Myself. He was right there on the click. Any musician is always supposed to practice to a metronome because it's creating an internal rhythm inside of you. It's the reason I, I can turn to our drummer, Haps, and I can say, what, about what P BPM is this? And I will like riff like a new song we're writing. He'd be like, well, it's like, uh, it's like 145. I'll click that, and he's pretty dang close. Why? Because every time he plays the drums, he plays to a metronome, or we call it click. So he has learned to internally keep time. Are you following me? I wonder if some of our struggle with prayer has been that we're watching time, meaning we're keeping track of it, but we're not keeping it. We're not getting in time with God. And when we look at it, it's, oh, I'm waiting on God. I'm, can I tell you, you're never waiting on God. He's waiting on you to change. He's waiting on you to grow. He's waiting on you to get ready. You're never waiting on him. 
Uh, let me word it this way. God is always on time. I would ask you, are you in time? God, when are you going to bring this in my life? When are you going to get ready for him to bring it? Lord, when are you going to change this? When are you going to change? Oh, Lord, please change that person at work. Maybe, maybe you need to change, and you're going to be the person that helps that person change, but until you change, that person can't change. I could go down a million different rabbit trails of thought here, but it's pretty simple. God's always on time. We're hardly ever in time. Because we're keeping track of time, but we don't work with God to keep in time. This is where the Bible says the steps of the righteous are ordered of God. This is where David said, your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. What is he saying? He's saying, I am in time with God. I'm in step with him. I'm in sync with him. Like musicians, we would say, we're in rhythm together. We're in sync. We have chemistry in our sound. Not everybody's playing all over each other. We literally, these people know their parts. We're all on tempo together. I, a man of God I, I really respect a lot. He was a great leader um, of our denomination. And his name is Tom Trask. A good, great family friend. He's my papa's best friend. He's, he's older in age now. And he was talking to us about prayer one time, and it, it really stuck with me because I recognize now, and I wish I could at your age, the Lord just keeps reminding me, uh, I'm giving you in this series building blocks for your life. Follow them, you'll be blessed. Don't, you won't. Simple. Because I, was, I did a whole sermon two weeks ago preaching on rest. Why do you need to rest at 15 years old? Because rest is not uh, just a matter of the body. It's a matter of the spirit in connection with God. Prayer is not just a religious act. Prayer is being in time with God. It's the only way to anchor your soul, to be in time with God. It's the only way to be convicted and be drawn back to Jesus. It's the only way to be rerouted mentally. Romans 12 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Where do you think that happens? And Tom Trask, he was speaking about prayer. And uh, he said, this is how I look at prayer. I make an appointment with God every day. And he said, and I don't know about you, but I don't miss my appointments. Think about this. You got a dentist appointment, you got a doctor's appointment, whatever it is, a meeting, I don't know, whatever you have. Now, I know some of y'all, you don't make dentist appointments. I've talked to some people, I've, I've got my teeth cleaned in like five years. What? Uh, every six months. I, I make that appointment, but this, this hit me. He said, and there are times that I might miss the appointment. He said, but I always reschedule. God is not wanting, and I am not wanting for you to live convic uh, guilty and ashamed that your prayer life hasn't been where it's supposed to be. I'm wanting you to feel the gentle draw of Jesus into relationship with him. 
to recognize that if you would spend time with him, you will feel better about yourself than you ever have. You don't need some self-help guru or something like that. You, you need just time in the presence of God. I have this dentist appointment coming up. Ah, dang. I got this meeting. I got to have this meeting. I have my admin call. She says he can't make it. And what does she do immediately? She reschedules. God is looking for a people that will watch and pray. What's the watch? Recognize time. Make the appointment. Every day, however it looks for you, whenever it is for you, whatever hour of prayer, make the appointment. Watch. But also, pray. I think an hour, as Jesus referenced, it's a great amount of time. But not every day might yield that for you. You have to measure what time you go to bed, what time you got to get up. How does your schedule work? Because I think it's so much less about keeping track of time when you're with God and just keeping in time with God. Meaning this. You could make the appointment and you could show up and you could even spend one whole hour. But if it's one whole hour of nothing, meaning you didn't lean into his presence. You didn't even try to talk to him. You didn't try to listen. You didn't turn on worship music to set the mood. You didn't try to journal. You didn't even... You just made the appointment because I just got to get my stinking teeth clean. I hate the dentist. It's not really worth much. But it's watch and pray. It's what you do when you are in his presence. And it's what you do when you're with him. It's being intentional. It's, it's coming into his presence saying, Jesus, this is our hour. This is our time set aside. I really want this to drift from religiosity and into the fullness of a relationship with Jesus. This is, Je this is not Jesus and I going, why don't you pray more? Are you even a Christian? My parents are preaching this uh, amazing series at the church right now. My, my parents are the pastors of our church, and it's called Games People Play. And every week they've been taking board games and they've been taking um, just unique kind of rules and, and outlooks of life and relationship and marriage and things, raising children, things like that through this concept of board games. And on Sunday, they just preached one and they referenced this game, Don't Wake Daddy. And there's this clip of my son Z and, and my, my brothers and I's kids and, and all that stuff. And he's crying because he lost. And he gets that from me, sore loser. I don't like to lose. Because with God, there's no L's, only W's. Z tells me, see, Zizai actually got the gift. But Z tells me that this is his favorite gift. Bro, it wasn't even yours. It was Zion's gift. But this is his favorite gift at Christmas. This is beyond like their little stepping stone things and teeter-totter and sick balance board thing they got, RC cars and RC like uh, bulldozers and, and crane thing. I don't know what they're called. Like all of this, don't wake daddy, is their favorite gift.
And honestly, the Holy Spirit spoke this to me when he said this. I'm like, how is that your? It's not the biggest that he got. It's not the most expensive that he got. Why is this his favorite gift? And the Holy Spirit spoke this to me. Because the thing that he did most with his daddy was play Don't Wag Daddy. He spent the most time of our Christmas break together with me playing that game. See, to my kids, they don't know how to spell yet. So to my children, love is spelled T-I-M-E. And I just need you to recognize that you have a loving father that is not trying to guilt trip you into something. He wants to spend time with you because he loves you. And our time... The truth about our time is best reflected. And very simply, if we love Jesus, we will desire to spend it with him. If we say that we love him, then that will be spelled T-I-M-E. An hour, maybe. But let's stop worrying about tracking it. And let's just start focusing on whether or not we are keeping it. In time. In measure. In sync. In step. In rhythm. With a creator? Yes. A healer? Yes. A savior? Yes. But a, a father? daddy bow your heads and close your eyes with me and I don't know how this message impacts you or I'd even use the word affects you meaning there's a stirring inside of your soul that might have been triggered by something that I said I just want to preface before I even invite you to know Jesus that that stirring is the willing spirit of God. You right now, each of us recognizing in our humanity we have a flesh that is weak. This is a willing spirit stirring you, drawing you. beckoning you to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus wants to point you to the Father. He's your only way there. And if you're in this room and you recognize that you have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that you're in need of his forgiveness and his grace, that you need Jesus, I just never want to go a time without giving an opportunity to somebody first to just respond to Jesus. So if that's you and you want to put your trust in Jesus, your hope in Jesus, you need the love and forgiveness of Jesus, just raise your hand with me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I want to be able to pray for you. I don't want to forget you. Thank you. Thank you so much.
for everybody else, including even the ones that responded to that first thought, stand with me. I want to give you a second thought. I want to get us in a posture to respond. Uh, Simply think about this, that you were sitting that whole time. Changing that posture is going to make sure that you stay awake. You know what I've learned when I'm waiting on God, it feels like a lot. And I'm here, whether it's my prayer time or my lifetime, I've learned that posture determines everything. Posture determines praise. Posture determines prayer. Posture determines, like, so much of how we position ourselves before the Lord. And so I want to pray for some people tonight that are putting their trust in Jesus, that are committing to him tonight, that they've sinned, fallen short, but they love him and they're in need of him and they want to be in relationship with him. But also, as I pray, if you're in this room tonight and this was more than just another sermon to you, this was a stirring in your spirit tonight. This was a call. I want you to respond to the Lord. And however that looks, if that's just as the team leads us in worship, you sing, or if that's coming in and planting your face here at the altar, whatever it is, I want you to tell God tonight, this is our hour. And this is about me and you, Jesus. This isn't about who I came here with. This wasn't about somebody I was kind of locking eyes and feeling something with here in the room. This isn't about what anybody else thinks of me. This isn't even about Pastor Dave's sermon. Jesus, this is our hour. And what could he, what could he do just, just in a moment in your life, one hour, a power hour? What could he do? So I'm going to do two things. I'm going to pray for those that want to receive salvation. And I feel a stirring to pray some specific things. I'm going to pray it over you in the room that want to respond. And as I begin to now pray, we're going to repeat after me if you want to know Jesus. But as I then begin to pray, just come respond, however that looks. But for those that want Jesus, want salvation, are thankful for the cross, they want heaven, they want to see things in terms of eternity, pray this with me. Say, Jesus, I confess that I've sinned. And I've fallen short of your grace. I need it now. I need that and a whole lot of mercy. I need your forgiveness. And now I receive it freely. Come on, as I say this, I want you to pick pick up your head and say this. Say, I pick up my head. I'm no longer a sinner. I've been redeemed. I am the righteousness of God. I'm going to live holy and set apart for you walking with you, Jesus, talking with you, Jesus, living in right relationship with you, not only before you, but before everyone that sees my life. Thank you for the cross and the empty tomb. And thank you for the time that you've given me in this life and the time that you're granting me in the next. I say this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to pray for people in the room now this next prayer. And you respond however the Lord asks you to. But Holy Spirit, I feel a stirring in me right now to pray for people that just feel like they've got it messed up too much. They feel like they're too far astray. They feel like they've tried and tried it.
and time and time again, they can't get it right. Some people in the room that they're weary because they, they've waited and they thought you'd move by now. They thought you'd change something by now. They thought you, you'd rearrange something by now. But I ask that, Lord, you would teach them in this moment, Holy Spirit, open their eyes to watch and open their heart to pray. Lord, I ask that you'd fill them right now overwhelmingly through the power of the Holy Spirit in this moment with, with a, a time of a power hour. That Holy Spirit, you begin to get something inside of them where they step into a right relationship with you, not because they've sinned, but because, Lord, they want to be closer. Because, they, Lord, they want to be more sure of the plan that you have for them. They want to walk with you. They want to talk with you. They want to have greater faith in you. They want to trust in you to another level. God, I ask that they would solidify this moment. Jesus, this is our hour. This is the time that has been set apart and set aside. I'm not here to show off. I'm not here to get people's attention. I'm not here to talk to anybody else but you, Jesus. I ask that you begin to rearrange some things in people's mental capacities. Devil, I rebuke you right now in the name of Jesus. I refute every accusation that is not, Lord, something that the Holy Spirit wants to take them through and teach them and convince them of and convict them of. I, I just right now rebuke every accusation of the enemy. You are the accuser of the brothers and sisters of the faith. I, I speak against the lies of the enemy right now that are trying to right now set themselves up against the knowledge of God. But we right now in this moment, a power hour, we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. I thank you that right now, minds are being renewed, hearts are being stirred. Spirit of the living God, we know that you're willing. We know that you are more than able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ask or imagine. But I ask that where our flesh is weak, Holy Spirit, would you be made strong in this place? Strong in minds, strong in bodies, strong in spirit strong lord as our past is covered we now look towards the future that the best days are ahead of us that lord as we set aside time with you as we spend our moments right with you we thank you that lord you are coming back soon and so we do not fear the day or the hour lord we are not scared of your coming we are appreciative of it you're going to save us out of this broken world we're thankful that Jesus, you are coming back. And we don't know, we know that you do not know. We know that the angels do not know. And we know that we do not know. But Father God, we know that you know the day or the hour. So we draw near to you. We come near to your presence. And we trust in you. And we believe that God, you are setting our days apart. You are setting even our hours apart for your glory. So very simply, Jesus, we are here to watch and to pray so that we will not fall into temptation because we know that the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak so we come unto you jesus and we trust you and we believe in you and you're giving us the strength to lean into you even in this hour we pray this in jesus name amen thank you jesus